Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. A very warm welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia L. Curry. And I'm Steve Simpson. So a very warm welcome to The Parent Show to you too, Steve. We're delighted to have you co-presenting this evening. On Thank you very much. It's great to be here. You're, you're a drive pro, but a, new, a parent show newbie. I think if anyone heard my show, they would probably say not so much a pro. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, I know that's not true. I know that's not true. Yeah, or actually a noob. That's what my son tells me is the word now uh, that we're supposed to be using. He's messing with you. <laughs> that's last year's word. Oh, is it? <laughs> Or he's not cool. That's another possibility. But um, tonight's show is dealing with so many important and uh, relevant issues to all of us. We have in the first half of the show, we're going to be speaking about adolescence and family stress and possible interconnections between the two. Let's face it, we all have way too much stress in our lives. And if there's anything we can do about it, short of moving to a kibbutz or a remote island, um, we want the answers, don't we? So we're putting your questions to Professor Deborah Christie about this. She is um, really one of the best people in the country to be speaking about this topic. She is Professor of Paediatric and Adolescent Psychology and Consultant Clinical Psychologist, Clinical Lead for Paediatric and Adolescent Psychological Services at UCL. Um, And there's loads more to her bio, but I'm just going to I'm just going to give you the brief uh, overview version. So we'll be speaking to Professor Christie in just a minute. And we'll also be speaking to Nika Yellendorf from an organisation called Get the Trolls Out. I'll just pause for a second while you think about that. Get the Trolls Out is a project for young people to combat hate online. And Nika will be talking to us about how young people use social media today and some very positive approaches to keep up with young people and not get left behind. She'll also explain what is trolling and why we should be worried or not worried about that. Fantastic. Yeah, because the thing is, if we're not, if we're out of the loop, you know, there's nothing we can do about things. Isn't isn't that the truth? Knowing is better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get straight into our first guest, um, Professor Deborah Christie, who's joining us on the line now. Hi, Professor Christie. Hello, Lydia. How are you? Great. It's lovely to have you on the parents show this evening. Thank you for having me. Now, we have so many questions for you and we're going to try and squeeze as much of your expertise out over the next 20 or so minutes. Okay. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> let's start Let's start with teens and then move on to stress because obviously there, there might possibly be a link between the two of them um, when it comes to families. Why are teens particularly challenging? Well... Um, I think it's a, it's a combination of things. Um, and the, the first one is that um, as you, as you hit, hit puberty, uh, which is often just before or around the time of becoming a teen, um, your biology changes really quite dramatically. Um, so you, you, you start to, there's, there's an increase in different kind of hormones. You start, your body shape starts changing. Your body function starts to change. Um, But alongside all of that, your brain is very differently wired to that of a a child or an adult. And that means that you're looking for more novel experiences. 
you're looking for different social experiences, um, and all of that goes together with, with social changes, wanting to, to spend more time with peers rather than with your parents. Um, and there's this complicated mixture of biological change and social change um, and psychological change that means you, you kind of don't want what you used to want as a child. And that then starts to create potential friction in families, whereas you always used to listen to your mum and dad. Um, you might start wanting to not do everything that they ask. You want to go out more. You want to be more independent. You don't want them to be checking up on you. You want to wear clothes that they might not um, like, even though they might have worn them 20 or 30 years ago. Um, they, you know, that, that now suddenly you're starting to become your own person. So that kind of creates, can create friction. And, and parents who are used to having a young person do what they want them to do and be part of the family are suddenly faced with what can sometimes feel like a, a, you know, a, a bit of a stranger in the family mm. and, and can miss that, but also can be quite frustrated by it. And, and is that hardwired into teenagers when, when they exhibit these types of um, behavioural changes? It, it's, it's a hardwired response. It's not just them pushing back because they feel like being a little bit antsy that day. It's hardwired you know, the, into them. The, the brain of a teenager is, is quite, is, is really, and it's interesting, it is, it, it's a case of rewiring rather than hardwiring. So the brain is changing its connections and certain parts of the brain are becoming much more active. So there's an increase in um, the brain's searching for risks and new experiences. Um, and there's a sort of like a, a change in the amount of um, hormones that, 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 that used to be there. So, so what you've got is you've got, you've got a brain that's, that's rapidly changing and developing that's, that's actually um, leading teenagers to behave in ways that seem quite strange and alien to us. Even though we did it ourselves, there's something that we tend to forget about it, that we actually weren't any different to them. We were also doing very similar things. But we kind of forget. So, so it's that there's a rewiring rather than it be hardwiring. That's a, a really positive angle to take on it, Deborah. To say rewiring instead of hardwiring, and so by warning parents, it, it's coming. It's not personal. Does that mean we should just kind of stay, take a step back, take things a little bit more, more easily, not be so easily offended by this development? I mean, I think, I think. I think that's, that's a really, really good way of, of thinking about it. There's some really interesting um, the research that looks at um, how children manage um, things like uh, medication in situations, chronic illness situations. And what they've done is they've looked at parents who step back completely when their kids sort of push back and look at parents who step up and, and become, you know, really kind of overbearing. And at either end of those spectrum, children don't manage well. So the best parenting style is a positive, supporting, assertive parent style. It's not one which is letting go and saying, right, you just go ahead and make your own mistakes. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And it's not one where you're saying, you have to do everything I say. It's trying to find that, that middle ground which might mean letting them make the odd mistake, 
but being there as a safety net. So if the mistake they make is uh, a, a dangerous one or one that's going to get them into really trouble, that you're there still to protect them and support them. And that um, must be very hard for very many parents who've, up until that point, been the provider, the nurturer, the advisor. They, they've got to adapt who they are within this environment and this relationship with uh, the child becoming a teenager. Yeah, there's, there's, I don't think there's any harder job in the world than being a parent of a teenager. And I, and I speak as having been a parent of two teenage boys. Um, I think it's a really tough job. Um, but I think one of the things that can help is to try and connect with our, um, our, ourselves and our old selves and try and remember, if we can, what was it that we did that drove our parents crazy and what was it that we that our parents did that was helpful um so i so there's something about trying to i mean lydia's lydia's point is a great one you know not taking it personally um you're you know you're not the only parent in the world going through this lots of other parents are having to learn a different way of interacting and a different way of parenting at this stage in your child's development of course and i assume that uh the, the teenagers themselves are are not aware of the, the they're not conscious of this change it's it's not something which they they feel they just recognize that things are different to how they were yeah i think kids i mean what what young people notice are the sort of the physical changes they start to notice that their bodies are changing they start to notice that their bodies are functioning in different ways so they, they kind of like, they can see that, but they may, they may be aware of their different feelings, the, you know, the effects of increased emotional responses, you know, increased moodiness, um, mood changes, quite rapid mood swinging. So one day really super happy and the next day absolutely miserable, um, just feeling rotten and just feeling unhappy and then feeling absolutely fabulous. And that sort of, so the, the kids can notice all those concrete things. And then they do notice that, that, you know, their parents seem to be interfering more or, or asking lots more questions when, in fact, probably the questions haven't increased. It's just that the, the kids are noticing it. Um, but it's, it's, there's that really interesting bit of, being a, of, of, you know, of adolescent development where you, you actually believe you're completely bulletproof and you also believe that nobody, particularly your parents, can possibly understand your perspective or what you what you feel or believe. I mean, it's important. It's, can I just say it's also really important to say that teenagers are also amazing individuals. Um, you know, that young woman, for example, who is standing outside Parliament and who's organised the school strike. Um, adolescents are often at their very best in terms of their their power and their passion and their their desire for change. So it's also really important to, to acknowledge the, the really positive aspects of adolescence. They're not all horrible and, um, and, and grotty. They're, they also have many, many positive attributes, which comes with this desire for independence and this passion for justice. I think that is such valuable advice, Deborah. And I, I, I don't have teens yet, but I intend to have this podcast on loop and I'm going to be listening to your words <laughs> every day for, for a few years. 
in, <laughs> a, in down the line. And it's yeah. and, and it's a great mantra to have. And I'm sure there are parents out there who are guffawing when you say positive and teen in the same sentence. But I'd love to hear from you. I know there's no one size fits all with any human being. But are there common strategies that tend to work with street with with teenagers? So I think the very first one is um, really demonstrating that you're listening. Um, but, but just because you're listening doesn't mean you have to agree. And, and I think you can say that. You can say, I can listen to what you want and I'm hearing what you want. That doesn't mean that I will always agree with what you want. And there will be times when I will let you do something I don't agree with. But there were other, the other times when... Um, actually, I'm going to say, no, you can't stay out till that time or you can't go to such and such a place. So um, there's, there's something about really demonstrating that you are prepared to listen. Um, another piece of advice which was given to me by one of my colleagues um, in one of her, uh, in, a, in a podcast, and, and when I do the talk um, next week, Lydia, um, I'll, I'll give the, uh, the link for that. Um, which is there are times when you just have to stop talking as a parent. Um, so, for example, when they come in from school uh, and your overwhelming desire is to say, oh, tell me about your day, what did you do, um, you know, where did you go, have you done such and such that I asked you to do, you sometimes just have to take a really deep breath and accept the fact that they don't want to talk to you. So not speaking sometimes is is a really really good good strategy, um, and um, and I th- and I think actually and I and I think I would also just like to say to anybody that is listening, you know, I've made all of the mistakes that you can possibly make as a parent. Um, I think forgiving yourself for not getting it right all the time is really really important. Um, and being prepared to admit that sometimes, being able to say to, you know, your kids, I just reacted wrong there. I should have, I should have given you the benefit of the doubt. So being able to say sorry. Um, and and, and, and like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was I'm just, just going to say, say we have we have to be the adults. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that's an important differentiation between the parents' interaction with the child because the child will have seen or. Um, at least assumed that that everything that the parent did up until that point was was right. That was the way in which uh, uh, adults and the world worked. And mm. and to have the opportunity to to push back against uh, a, a parent uh, because they've uh, maybe said something which wasn't right or done something the wrong way and admit a fallibility that that would be quite unique for a. Uh, the a teenager to see in their relationship with their parent and, and have to react somewhat differently themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Deborah, coming on to so we wanted to talk to you about adolescence, and that is it's really valuable, valuable advice for parents. And there's a wider there's a wider group, isn't there? There's the whole family, and we want you're coming to St Albans on Tuesday to talk about family stress in particular and how to manage that, which is. Um, um, it's a pretty big topic. Talk, talk to us about family and stress and what we can do to manage it better. Okay, so I, I, I suppose, in, you know, in trying, to, trying to kind of like be brief about it, I think the first thing to remember is that stress is not always negative. Um, stress stress can, is, a, is a physical response to, um, 
to an event. And that event can be um, a positive and exciting event, like, for example, a performance in a play. But it can also be something which may be perceived as negative, like an exam. Um, it can be something like losing house. It could be something like um, a, a death in the family. Or it could be going on holiday together. All of those things can have an impact on the body, a physical impact on the body, and can have an impact on how we respond to each other. Um, and sometimes people say to me at work, you know, people that I'm, you know, families or young people that I'm working with say, oh, I, I never get stressed. There is no stress in my family. That's actually not possible. You cannot live in the world without there being stress. The issue is how you react to it and how you um, notice it and acknowledge it and deal with it rather than thinking you can get rid of it. Because even if you did move to your kibbutz or you moved to a, a desert island, there would still be stress on that desert island. You'd, you'd still have stress. It would just be different kinds. It, you know, just would not, you wouldn't have to catch a train in the morning at 7 o'clock. Do, do you think we, would, we have to make stress for ourselves in order to survive? I don't think we have to make it, but I think there are two kinds of stress. There is controllable stress and there's uncontrollable stress. And I think that's also really important in terms of the management of it, uh, being able to distinguish between the two, the two kinds of stress. So it's quite, you know, it's quite an interesting exercise that you can do. You can sit down and you can write down a list of every single thing that you have to do from the minute you get up in the morning until the minute you go to bed at night. So you just get a piece of paper and start off with, I have to do what? I have to do what? I have to, and then you just make that list. Now, go through and make that list. You know, anybody that's thinking right now, what do you have to do? And we come up with these fantastically long lists of I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. And then if you look at it again and start to think, which of them do you really, really have to? And you start to find out that actually most things that we do are because we choose to. We choose to get up in the morning. We choose to go to work. We choose to uh, take an exam. We choose, we choose to do a lot of things. The difference for kids, the difference for kids is actually they have a lot less choice than us. And so actually there's sometimes a lot more stress on young people because they don't have the choices. We make the choices for them. We tell them they have to go to school and they have to do exams. And I often actually would question that. Why do people have to go to school, particularly if school makes them utterly, utterly miserable or then, you know, the, the situation is incredibly difficult? Now, people might get a bit, a bit shocked by that, but there are times when actually we have to look at is the stress that we are being put under is it because we are we, we believe we have to do that, or is it because actually we're making a choice to put ourselves in that situation, and could we choose to do something differently? And are there different um, intensities of, of stress, different levels of stress resulting from the controllable and uncontrollable uh, events? 
Yeah, there's so there's there's some you know you can uh, you know there's out out there in uh, on the internet there are lots of sort of lists of stress in dis- in decreasing order. So the kind of like the most stressful life events um, are thought to be um, getting divorced, getting bereavement. Those are, those are kind of like in right up there, and the, you know they're kind of like the top four. We um, we lost you for one second there, oh, Deborah. The reception went. So you said getting married, getting getting married, getting, getting divorced, divorced um, bereavement, uh, particularly of a very close family member. Moving house is a massive stressor. Um, anyone anyone that's done that recently will will recognise that one. Absolutely. Um, but it's anything which disrupts your, I guess, your normal day to day, and it's stress. Stress is anything which disrupts or creates uncertainty um, or is unexpected um, or alters what you know in a way so that you have to come up with a different set of behaviours in order to respond to that, to that event. And have the, um, the, the causes of, of stress within a family changed with the, what we call modern day living now, the, the technology age that we're in and the very dynamic uh, workplace environments that, uh, that we suffer? Um, I think a lot of people feel that um, we live in a busier world. Um, you know, everybody's on their phones all the time. Um, there's some evidence to suggest that... Um, you know, the longer you're on screen, the, you know, the worse your concentration is long term and the higher stress levels there are. Um, uh, I, I personally, I, I kind of think that, um, that we, we adapt for, to our environments. And so it's, it's very difficult to say that we're more stressed than, um, uh, you know, a generation ago. A generation ago had lots of stress it was just it just came from slightly different different areas so i you know the the, the creation you know the, the you're only as fascinated that you're going to be talking about social media and trolling um cyber bullying mm. we have cyber bullying now something i'm sure you'll be discussing you know um, whereas before we just had bullying but it's i don't know if cyber bullying is any worse than bullying you know they're 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 equally awful well, that's certainly a very specific yeah. question we're going to be discussing with uh, yeah. our next guest, Nika. So, uh, could I uh, ask, if if uh, a family uh, uh, realises that they're in a, a stress situation, that stress is having an impact on the relationships with uh, within the family, what's the first thing that a family can do to try and address these issues? Um, so, I think the, the, the answer is in your question. Um, that recognizing it, <clears throat> excuse me, recognizing it is the very, very first step and taking a step backwards, stopping and taking a step backwards and identifying it and looking at, um, okay, what, what aspects of these can, this can we control and what can't we? Um, because as soon as you realize there are things that you can't control, in, in some ways that, that it means you can stop trying desperately to control it. That's, that's what, you know, stress is pushing you constantly to control things, to, to take charge of it, to change it. And if you can say, well, you know what, I have, no, I have no control over that. You know, I have no control over the fact that the sun comes up and wakes me up at, at half past five in the morning. I can't, you know, so, so I can't get, you know, I, I have to not get stressed at the sun 
no point in me sort of getting cross and angry. What can I do to change it? What can I, you know, put blackout curtains? There we are. That was a simple solution. But that was, but that's just the idea is if you stop and take a step back and start to think, let's take stock here and work out what it is that's, that's creating this situation. And you said about relationships. I think the other thing to remember is it's not just the, the impact stress has on your relationships. It's also the effect that stress has on your body. Because stress has, it's, it's, it's a kind of silent attacker and it can have an imp- quite a significant impact on your physical health as well as your relationship health as well as your mental health. So again, realizing that stomach aches, for example, are an incredibly common response to stress. Um, realizing that um, headaches are a really common response to stress. Um, and rather than kind of constantly taking medication and trying to, or going to the doctor all the time, you know, thinking, you know, is there, is there something about my environment that's contributing to these physical symptoms is also quite important. And Deborah, do you think that it's something, it, it's obviously a huge issue and I think it's becoming more and more prevalent in the news. You, I mean, stress is, as you said, such a bad thing for, for, for us all. Would you consider it a strategy for parents to work together and kind of implement a strategy on the kids without the kids even knowing or is it a whole family strategy is it something that should be discussed openly i think it's really important where um where there are where there are two parents um then obviously they can discuss it together i think i think single parents need to think about who could they find some support from um, whether that's a really good friend or whether it's pe- you know their parents, um, that as the the adults need to get together and have a think about it to begin with. I don't think you can do things. I, I mean, I don't think you can protect or um, protect your children from it completely. And and I guess you do them a disservice if you think, well, I'll just do it without letting them know. I think they should be part of it. Um, and if they see that you again, it's a little bit like the beginning where if you can demonstrate that, you know, you acknowledge stress, that you have thought about different ways to manage it, um, and let's try and do this all together. Let's think about this as a family. Now, your kids might say, I'm not interested, or, you know, oh, this is dopey, or um, as my children used to say to me, oh, stop being a psychologist. Um, <laughs> but but I do, I do think it's really important to include young people um, because you're teaching them life skills. Because mm. stress is, as I said, stress isn't going to go away. It's not going to suddenly stop, you know, when they hit adulthood. You know, it's just they're going to have to take ownership of it. So yeah. it would be wonderful for them to have those stress management skills um, as they go off into, you know, go off to uni or go go into the workplace. And Deborah, one quick question before we, we've um, we've really asked you so many questions yeah. at this stage. Just a quick one before we go. Kindness. I, I love your the whole positive strategy that you have towards adolescence and family life. And I'd love to know what you think about the role for kindness in, in families. Um, I think the, I think it's just absolutely um, really, really important. And if anybody hasn't seen the lovely video clip of Lady Gaga talking about kindness, I would recommend you Google it. Um, it's, it's just lovely, and she, she, put, she puts it really, really nicely. Um, you, you know, if you're kind to people, they'll be kind back to you. 
um, if you know if you can listen to somebody, they will realise that, that they can they should listen to you too. Um, and I don't I don't think you can go wrong by taking uh, every opportunity to be kind to people. Uh, you know, getting on the train. I get on the train every morning at seven o'clock, and I see people shoving and snarling mm. and, um, and and looking away from each other. And I just think if everybody could just stop and smile and say after you, that whole journey would be so much nicer. Sometimes it only takes just one person to break that yeah, mold. Absolutely, absolutely. Fantastic. Deborah Christie, thank you so much for joining us on the Parents Show this evening. And of course, if anybody's interested, you're in St. Albans in the Sandpit Theatre on Tuesday night to speak about managing family stress. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. And, and I just wanted to say um, to everybody, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. Sometimes you just have to go with the waves. That's so we're going, to, we're going to be talking about that on Tuesday. Fantastic. Brilliant. And what we've done is we, we're sharing the Lady Gaga video. We found it on YouTube. So it'll be oh, on our, and it'll be on our, our Parents Show Facebook page along with that, with your mantra about surfing. I love it. OK, that's great. Thank, thank you so much. Thanks Olivia. a million. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. So that was Professor Deborah Christie um, from UCL speaking Wasn't that about. Fascinating. Yeah, she's such a positive approach to it, and I think it's so easy to just get bogged down, isn't it, into the teen years and us and them, and. Wow, and, and just hearing the practical tips which you can employ, things to look out for, simple things to do, just taking a step back and not taking it personally, that's, uh, I mean, we should all remember that if, if one, one thing comes out of this evening's discussion, it's that. Exactly. And I loved the way she said, just remember that you were that age once. And and she's right, isn't it? There's so, it's so easy to get sanctimonious and patronising, isn't it? And just kind of pretend that the world is a different place. I mean, the rules are the problem. It's the, it's the wrench, the independence wrench. That's exactly. I mean, we, we all don't want to make the same mistakes as our parents made uh, on us. So we have to be able to remember and learn uh, and, and, uh, and, and do things differently. Absolutely. So in the next half of the show, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back with Nika Yellendorf and she's from Media Diversity Institute and she's going to talk to us about trolling, social media, what the kids are up to today and um, try and get us up to speed so we're not all dinosaurs. <laughs> Listen, uh, tune in in just a few minutes. I don't go anywhere. The Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Radio Verulam, the radio station for Sandridge, Sopwell and Park Street. 92.6 FM, Radio Verulam. 92.6 FM, Radio Verulam. A very warm welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. Tonight's show is about adolescents, teens, fam family stress. And uh, and now we're going to move on to our second guest on the show this evening. And um, we are going to be speaking to Nika Yellendorf, who is from Media Diversity Institute in London. And she's going to talk to us about various subjects, uh, one of which will be trolling. Nika, how are you? 
Hi, Lydia. I'm fine. How are you? Lovely to have you on the parents' show this evening. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for calling. Great. So now every parent wants to know what exactly are trolls. Tell us what it's all about. (laughs) It's not just every parent. Um, Depends a bit on who you ask. So if you ask the trolls themselves, they're going to tell you they are the smartest people out there who are just exposing how dumb everybody else is for falling for their ruses. But generally, we would sort of define online trolling as an act of deliberately upsetting people or offending people. So posting things that you know are going to be controversial, mostly for the controversy and upsetting other people as opposed to having a genuine conversation. And, and what is it that the uh, the troll gets out of creating that uh, that controversy? Well, I mean, that's that, that you'd have to ask the troll. Um, I think for some people, it's just a form of having fun. Um, there's a, an element of distance when you do things like that online, so you don't really get to see the effect it has on people, um, other than through a screen. So you get to see that they're upset, but you don't have to sort of face looking at an upset person. I think some people find it funny. I think some people um, get genuinely upset themselves about some topics and then want to cause that same reaction in others. I think some people are sometimes not completely aware of what they're doing. So it, it, it really depends. It's, trolling is generally a rather broad spectrum of behaviors, and um, it's a bit difficult to sort of assume what the motivation is then for a lot of different individuals. And if you're talking about a spectrum of trolling, like on one end, you've got people who are just mildly irritating. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who are actually saying things that are sometimes even dangerous or threatening. What, 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 can, what can parents do if, you know, if children are experiencing one, the, the far end of the spectrum? Mm. So, so it depends a bit on how it's being done and who is it being done to. Um, presumably, um, if it's not, if it's done anonymously, so if, if they're experiencing this online, there are ways of making sure that others can't find your children or helping your kids to stay safe and mm-hmm. to stay sort of in a online environment where they actually know who they're engaging with as opposed to... Um, throwing themselves out there in the void uh, together with their personal information profile pictures and things like that so that's a good step if it's if it's if we're talking more about a bullying within a social circle that's happening in an online system then obviously that there are other sort of avenues available from talking to the schools to talking to other parents to talking to your kid about who's who's doing this to them and why and for those parents who perhaps haven't uh, accessed social media and, and seen trolling um, taking place, how do the behaviours and, and the consequences of, of those behaviours, um, how do they compare with the sort of the, the typical um, schoolyard bully that we may be more familiar with from, from older days? Depends a bit on, on the child and on how invested they are in their online profiles but there have definitely been cases and it's it's quite possible that it has the same consequences sometimes for some kids it can be even more devastating because your social media profiles are on your phone which is in your pocket 
So aside from, you know, a schoolyard is a place where you're only when, and you're, when you're at school and then you go home and then you have a sort of at least a grace period. Whether it's with online or social media type of trolling or, or bullying, you carry it around with you wherever you go if it's happening on your profile. So that can be very, very intru- intrusive and very difficult for, for children to deal with. And Nika, talk to us a little bit about what social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, all these different things, different platforms. Can you report to them? Can you tell them if something's happening? If you, for example, don't know who the troll is or it's a complete stranger? Absolutely. So, so pretty much all social media platforms and definitely all the most popular ones. So Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook have reporting functions within them. You can report and block users, right? So you can, first of all, disable anyone's access to you. If you block users, they can't contact you. Um, And you can also report it straight to the platform, right? So usually there will be instructions for how to do that. Facebook actually has a parents portal um, that has instructions for parents on how to do this and also some other advice, helpful expert tips and things like that. So that might be a good resource for parents. Um, for Facebook, but also just in general to sort of give them some tips and tricks from experts on how to deal with um, online safety. And Instagram and Snapchat both also have ways of reporting snaps or posts or messages that you get from other users. So that is definitely something that I think would be helpful for both parents and kids to be familiarized with. And how effective are the defences which the social media platforms put up to uh, to stop this and, and to help people who are experiencing the, the online bullying? Mm. Well, depends a bit on um, how how it came to be and at what stage are you trying to intervene. So my advice would always be to to try and use sort of preventive measures. Make sure your profile isn't too public so that there aren't things that people can pick up on um, if they're not on your friends list. Make sure your location statuses aren't, aren't set on public so that people can't find you. Let me just ask way. you about those two things. So your your location. So every time it pops up on Facebook or Instagram, would you like to allow, allow somebody to know your location? You would. What would you say? Yes or no? I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> So I don't share my location with with the social media platforms. My general advice would be not to do it because the the comparison between what you get and what you don't get, um, I don't necessarily think it's particularly important for myself to check into places on Facebook. I'd especially advise, and then especially children uh, and minors, not to do that on Snapchat because Snapchat actually puts your location on a map and other users can see you. So it's not just the social media platform that you're sharing it with. You're also sharing it with the users of the social media platform. And that has a variety of potential problematic uh, aspects when it comes to privacy and security. So definitely not that one. Um, And generally, my advice would be probably not unless you have a good reason to, right? Unless you have a good reason to give them your location information, I don't see why you would do that. So if in doubt, leave it out. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Great. Yes, so, exactly. so that's on location services and location um, options. And on security, so you would say keep your po- profile 
keep as it is limited to friends is that what you would say you know when you get those yeah, options and depends, you... so it depends it depends a bit on which social media platform we're talking about right but if we're talking about instagram i definitely advise people to keep their profiles locked you don't necessarily want the entire world to be able to see pictures of your backyard you're taking right um if you don't want to do that if you want to keep your profile pro- uh, public especially when you're posting stuff like instagram lives um, I would advise you to use the close friends function, right? So you could potentially have different settings on who can see what stuff you're posting. So there could be things you want to post publicly, but if you're doing that, then make sure that when you're posting sort of more private information, where your school is or your classroom, uh, yourself in front of your house where your house number is visible, things like that, make sure you at least just use the close friends function, meaning that this is not something that every random person on the platform can see, but just people you already know who they are. Very sensible. But where, where does your organisation get the trolls out fit into um, any actions that uh, uh, parents might take? Mm. So what we do is focus mostly on trying to prevent anti-religious hate speech online in the new and the traditional media. But we have quite a lot of guides uh, that might be helpful even for people who are just generally interested in trolling. We have guides about um, how to recognize trolls, fantastic trolls, and how to fight them um, that you can download from our website. We have a guide on how to stand up to hate speech on Twitter. So we have a bunch of resources that could actually be potentially helpful for parents if they want to just generally get informed to how to stand up to someone speaking in a hateful manner. They're all free and downloadable from our website, which is just get the trolls out. So if you just Google get the trolls out, you should be able to get straight to our website. Fantastic, Nika. And um, I, you mentioned Facebook had a... Uh um, a resource for parents and I didn't yes. catch the name I just want to share oh, it with parents I think it's just called the parents portal the parents so yeah so 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 and it has some some information about security and privacy it has some tips for parenting around the issues with social media um, and it has, some, it has some guides on how to make sure that you've checked whether your profile or your children's profile are private and secure so it has it has resources there specifically for parents um, that are meant to help you identify potential um, areas where problems might arise and sort of ways how to deal with deal with them. And one of the most important tips that that page gives and that I like giving parents is when you learn about some of these things, our kids they might actually get excited about a chance to teach you how to do something. They can mm. teach you how to use an app. And mm-hmm. while they're teaching you how to use the app, you might figure out which areas might require some sort of parental guidance and advice. So they're going to give you the opportunity to um, figure out what areas you don't feel comfortable with and want to discuss with them. And I think this is a way that you can get them to talk to you in a way that they'll respect what you tell them. Because uh, the experience I've had is that a lot of children have this sort of attitude, you know, mom and dad, you don't really get it. You have no clue what you're talking about. You can't DM on Snapchat. You just snap, things like that. that make, some, make it sound very alienating for parents and, and confusing. And there's not necessarily a need for that. Could we just go back to one of the points you made a minute ago, Nika? Um, the guides which you have on your 
on your website, Get the Trolls yeah. Out. Um, you said there's a guide there which which gave some hints and tips on how to stand up to somebody who is is um, exhibiting the the troll behaviour or being a troll. Being hateful, yeah. Yeah. Um, what what uh, what can you tell us about that? How how should we uh, expect to to behave when confronted with this? Well, um, I mean, the first question is whether or not someone is directly attacking you. Uh, or if you're trying to stand up to someone who's, who's bullying someone else. Um, make sure you're safe. That's always the first advice. So, so make sure you're not putting yourself out there uh, in a way that might harm you. You can always use the report function rather than directly engage someone and try and get the content that's problematic removed, right? Don't be abusive. It's easy to uh, get upset when someone's being harmful and mean but it doesn't really help if the conversation just keeps getting even more and more heated um try and get support from other people it's always easier when a couple when a couple of people call out problematic behavior than when it's just a fight between two people um make sure you think about what your objectives are what are you trying to do are you trying to change this person's mind or are you trying to get them to consider the effects they're having on others so figure out, think strategically about it a bit and, and figure out what your actual objective is there and make sure that you're not kicking up on some old hate, right? So don't re resurrect old conversations that were hateful. Um, it's something sort of to tone down. There's no need to reactivate the, the discussion by bringing it up again. So really, there is there's little uh, little benefit or little point in in trying to match somebody in, a, in an online argument when it reaches those levels of intensity. It, it's yeah, best to not, diffuse not, the situation. Really. I mean, I, I think sometimes people feel very good when they do that if they if they successfully do that, but I don't think in the long term that actually has any benefit for anyone. Right? Um, the person who started with the hate is not going to become less hateful just because you've successfully insulted them, and you might feel a bit vindicated. But in the long term, the only thing you've done is that you've bullied the bully. That just you know, creates more bullying. There's a difference between reporting and insulting someone who was being insulting, right? The first thing prevents them from speaking out. The second thing just increases the amount of negative things being said. That's very astute, the, the difference between the two. Um, could I just move on to another, uh, another point here? Um, it was something which I was considering before, not necessarily from personal experience, but when we when we come across situations where somebody is involved in online bullying, we're always assuming that it's probably somebody else's children who are uh, at the mm. heart of it. But what what can we do if we suspect that our own child is uh, is engaging in the wrong sort of behaviour? On online, uh, or, or if our children are accused of uh, of being trolls, what should parents do in those situations? Oh, I mean that that's yeah, that's a difficult question. Um, I don't think it's fundamentally very different from what would you do if your child was accused of bullying, not online, just bullying. Um, there are ways to talk in talking about them. I think one of the things that younger people are more likely to do is not consider the consequences of the things that they're writing. So I think there's, it's really important to sort of 
discuss with them that while it's just behind an avatar or just behind a picture and they can put their phone away and walk away, the person that they've been bullying or trolling might not be able to react the same way. So that's an important conversation to have. Um, it's also important to figure out to what level the kids themselves, you know, consider this all harmless banter up until a point where one of them no longer considers it so harmless or so bantery. So that's that's an important conversation. Boundaries and how to check whether or not something is still fun for everyone involved. Um, I don't... I'm not personally a fan of sort of large oversight over profiles and things that they're writing because that, to me, it seems like it's an uneven playing field, right? Most children are much better than most parents in creating alternative profiles, deleting their history, mm. making sure they're using secret chat functions and stuff like that. So I am personally not a fan of that approach. So it seems to me it's just going to make it less likely that your children talk to you about the things that they're doing and more likely that they'll just learn how to hide it better. But I think that's a sort of a personal parenting choice rather than a question of objective truth. I don't know if you were listening to the first part of our show, but we were talking about stress within families and ways to deal with that. And, you know, the advice which we had from our first guest was was to take a step back from the situation, to uh, sit down and discuss um, as a family openly. Um, and I think what you're saying there seems to tie in very well with that. It, it's not about snooping around trying to to find the information it, uh, which, which might suggest there is uh, trolling. Um, it is about openly discussing the issues surrounding it. Yeah. And, and, I mean, on a very sort of meta point now, I think it's very important that children feel like they're allowed to tell their parents that they've done a mistake and that they've done a bad thing and know that there will be consequences, but also know that this isn't an irreparable damage in which they're sort of lose love and trust forever. That is a much more likely approach that will help them communicate to you if they've done something bad than if they're scared to death of the consequences of, of when they do something bad. And Nika, we're coming uh, towards the end of the interview now. I just wanted to ask you one quick uh, question about the overview. So what's in and what's out in terms of social media apps? Like, are, are children on Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat? Who? Uh, well, that keeps changing. At the moment, I'd say they're definitely on Snapchat and on Instagram. They're probably not on Facebook, and I'm very sure they're not on Twitter, unless they have a very specific set of interests, sort of. They won't be going on TikTok at the moment. That is that is still a bit unclear to me. It's definitely gaining in popularity. Well, I don't think they have very good data at the moment to what extent uh, it's working as a social media network rather than just the sort of the video-making software thing on your phone but definitely Snapchat and definitely Instagram. Okay, so any parents out there trying to figure out security settings on Twitter right now, don't bother because your child's probably <laughs> not going to use it. Probably a little bit for Facebook, but Facebook and Instagram are owned by the same company, aren't they? So you could... They are. Yes, yes so yes, they are. You can, they're probably both very similar. So, yeah, so is Messenger and so is WhatsApp, yes. But generally you'll, you'll find uh, an icon that looks like the gear somewhere or the text set that says settings and somewhere within that... There will be a, a privacy button. Um, both Instagram and Snapchat use fairly accessible language in their sort of privacy and settings. 
um, bars, menus. So that, that should be relatively easy to navigate. Fantastic. Great. Nika, I'm sure parents around St. Albans are scribbling notes trying to keep up with what the young people are up to. But the truth is, if we're not up to date, you know, we, we can't we can't bury our heads in the we sand. We can't help them, can we, if we're not up to date mm. with them? That's exactly it. That's exactly that, Yeah, yeah, that's true. And at the same time, sort of keep in mind that our generation also had scrapbooks. They just weren't online. They were in a notebook. Social media is answering the same need or the same sort of root way of interacting. It's just doing it through a different platform, doing it online rather than on a physical piece of paper. And can you just tell us one more time the name of your site that uh, parents can access? Yes, absolutely. So it's Get the Trolls Out. Um, and it's a large project about loads of things. Uh, but in our resource section, they could find stuff that's useful for them. So get the trolls out altogether.org. Super. Thank you very much. Thanks a million, Nika. Thanks for joining us on The Parent Show. Thank you. So that was Nika Yellendorf from Media Diversity Institute talking to us about Get the Trolls Out and how to deal with trolls. So we're rapidly coming to the end of our show for this week. Um, just a few things I wanted to mention to um, all listeners out there. Of course, this show and every show is available on iTunes. If you search on Parent Show, you'll get all back shows and tonight's show there. And um, there's a wide variety of topics. And we're also looking for topics. So if you're out there and if we've touched on something that you're interested in hearing more about, send us a message through Facebook or Twitter um, and just tell us what you'd like us to cover. And um, we will we will find the best people out there to to talk to you about the subject. Now there's a competition. Did you know that, Steve? I did not know there was a competition. There is. It isn't a radio. It isn't a parent show competition. It's a Radio Ireland competition. And there are lots of family tickets for the Hearts County show um, available. And if you go to the to the Radio Ireland website, you can um, enter. Can I enter? Uh, I think we probably can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think all our listeners can. But um, it's a great day out. And of course, Radio Vallum is always there throughout the day at the Hearts County. It's, a, it's such a great local event. It is event. a fantastic couple of days, yes. So, uh, yeah, so go to the Radio Ireland website. We've popped it on our Facebook page as well in case you want to hear anything more about that. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week at the same time.